with me the life I now live. When Paul makes this statement, he implies that there is an old and a new life. There's an old and a new Paul. And there's an old and a new church at Galatia. And the same is true for us tonight. When we say the life I now live, we are saying there is an old life, a way I used to live, a way I used to think, that is no longer my normal. It is no longer my lifestyle. And uh, this life is ours because we have made a choice to follow God. Cuando Pablo dice, la vida que ahora vivo, él está implicando que hay una vida antigua, la cual él ha dejado. Y igualmente usted y yo, cuando decimos la vida que ahora vivo, es, estamos diciendo, he dejado atrás una forma, una clase de vida, y he recibido una vida nueva. And tonight I want to speak about four aspects of this life that we now live. Quiero compartir con ustedes esta noche cuatro aspectos de esta vida nueva, la cual usted y yo vivimos. And so, if you're a new believer, tonight I want to challenge you with this verse because it's a good Bible verse to learn and memorize when you're starting out in your Christian walk. And if you're a new believer, it's a good, a good place to be tonight because I want to give you four aspects of this life that you have in Christ. If you are a mature believer, I want you to be just as engaged in what we're going to say tonight because Paul doesn't say this life is mine in my, in my infancy as a Christian, but he's talking about this life being ours for all of our Christian experience. From now until heaven, this life is ours. Say amen, somebody. And uh, many times the, the, the fault or the, the, the error that, that mature Christians make is that they begin to depend upon their skill. They begin to depend upon their knowledge of the routines of Christianity and the routines of faith. And then they leave or set aside uh, this importance of what we're talking about tonight. And I want you to know the Christian life is not a set of routines. It's not a set of, uh, of do's and don'ts uh, merely, but there is a life, a relational experience that you and I have with God. And it can grow and it can deepen and it can become sweeter and sweeter as your life goes on with God. How many of you know that since you started walking with God, it's become sweeter and sweeter? Amen. Amen. So that is the, the, the great confidence we have as we look at this verse, both from a mature believer's perspective and a new believer's perspective. That there is a life here that is mine, that God has made available to me through uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. Now last week we heard these words, choose life that you and your seed may live. And so tonight, what does this choice imply? What does it mean to choose life? ¿Qué significa escoger la vida? Well, I want to dissect this verse tonight and uh, look at all of its Parts, because it's a short verse, but it has a lot of truth in it. Vamos a, a llevar este verso a su detalle esta noche, porque aunque es breve, tiene bastante carne. This verse is full of meat. How many of you like meat? Yeah, well, uh, if you like meat, this verse is, is chock full of meat, and I want us to look at it tonight. First of all, this life that we now live 
is a life that is life after death. La vida, número uno, la vida que ahora vivimos es una vida después de la muerte. This life that we now live implies that death has occurred. Ha ocurrido una muerte. Uh, there has been a death. There, uh, algo ha muerto. Somebody has died. I, I've never had this experience myself, but some people have told me about sometimes. They say, Pastor, I had a dream, and in the dream I was at a funeral, and in the, I, I didn't know who had died, and, and I, I went up to the casket to see who had died, and then I realized that I was the one in the casket, and, and I think, ooh, that doesn't sound like a very good dream, but that's really what we're talking about tonight. Somebody has died, and if you're wondering who has died, uh, who's in this coffin that Paul is talking about? Uh, uh, who is this person whose life has come to an end? We have to realize that it is my life and your life that has come to an end. A death has taken place. Now, normally, uh, when we talk about death, we talk about it in a very uh, serious manner, and it is uh, a little bit imposing, it's scary, and it's not a good thing. But when, when we realize what Paul is saying, we understand this, that in order to be free from sin, we had to die. Para poder llegar a ser libres del pecado, la muerte tuvo que ocurrir en nuestra vida. You see, when you and I were born into this world, cuando usted y yo nacimos a este mundo, we were born with the sin nature of Adam. Nacimos con la naturaleza pecaminosa de Adán. That's why from childhood, we're prone to sin without anyone teaching us how to do it. No one had to teach you how to lie, how to steal cookies from the cookie jar, uh, none of that stuff. It all comes natural because we were born into sin. And, and as being born into sin, we were born into bondage to that sin. And so the only way for us to die to that sin, or for, for us to be free from that sin, was for us to die. Because the Apostle Paul lays it out like this. He illustrates it like this. He says, you're under a contract. And he uses the analogy of marriage. He says, the marriage contract is good until one of the parties dies. Now, that's not how, how America sees it right now, but that's how, how God originally instituted it, all right? When, when, the, when one of the parties in the marriage dies, the contract is over. Uh, so if you, were, uh, if you were married to somebody and they died, you're no longer married to them. You no longer have a legal obligation to them. And Paul is saying, in a sense, we were married to, to death. We were married to sin, and we were married to the law of of Moses, but when we died, then that law, that contract that bound us to sin no longer exists, and now we are free from it. Say amen, somebody. So that no longer do we have to live out its uh, dominance or its uh, requirements over our life. And because this uh, contract has now been legally severed, we can enjoy a new life. Where did this death occur? The Bible said that we have died with Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, you and I died with him. And, and he then severed our loyalty to sin and our loyalty to the lost. And, and now we are free to live because there has been a death that has taken place. The death of Christ 
has made it possible, number one, for us to die to the law. We have died to the law of Moses. La muerte de Jesús, cuando él murió, usted y yo morimos con él, y ahora su muerte ha sido el resultado de que usted y yo ya no somos atados a la ley, ya no somos atados al contrato de la ley, sino que hemos llegado a morir en Jesús, y ahora él nos hace libre de la ley de Moisés. This is why you and I don't have to govern our lives by the law of Moses because we have died to it. Ya usted no nos guiamos por la ley de Moisés porque hemos muerto hacia ella. We have died to the law of Moses. Not only that, but we have died to sin. También hemos muerto al pecado. Uh, the Bible says this, that we... Uh, we have been, uh, the world has been crucified to us and, and, and us to the world. Dice Pablo, hemos sido crucificados al mundo y el mundo a nosotros. And that implies that not only we died to sin, but we have died to the world. También hemos muerto al mundo. What does this mean, Pastor? It's simply this. It means that the, the law of Moses and the sin nature and the world no longer have control over your life. ¿Qué significa esto? Significa que la ley de Moisés, la ley o oh, el pecado y el mundo ya no tienen control de nuestra vida. So that when you and I are come against these three things, cuando vemos estas tres cosas, podemos entender, I don't have to sin because I'm dead to it. I don't have to follow the culture because I'm dead to it. Ya no tengo que seguir a la cultura porque he muerto a ella. And ya no tiene atracción hacia mí. It no longer has the same attraction that it once had toward me. How many of you used to be attracted to the world but now you're not? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about then. You know the difference between having a life dominated by the desires of the world and the culture around you, and now being able to say no to the world because there is something that has happened in your life, it is now dead to you. Now this is how Paul illustrates it. He says, the world has been crucified to me, and I have been crucified to the world. And he uses the word crucifixion because the Romans, when they crucified somebody, they would leave them on the cross or on the pole where they had crucified them, for, uh, for the birds to come and uh, pick at their rotting carcasses. All right? This was a terrible way to die because not only did you die, but then your body was exposed to the elements for a long time, and this was used as a deterrent so that when you walked by the highway, there would be lines of crosses of criminals who had been uh, Uh, who had been crucified by Rome. And when you saw one of those crosses, you would say, no way, Jose. I'm not breaking Rome's law. I'm not getting cross with Caesar because I don't want to end up like that. And so Paul says this, the world has been crucified to you. When you and I came to Christ and, and he did that transformative effect in our life, now when we see the world, the world is no longer appetizing to us. The, the world now is a disgusting and, uh, and horrible picture of what you used to be. And, and you ought to say when you walk past that old life that you say, thank you, Jesus, that I don't live that way anymore, that I'm no longer attracted or drawn to that 
listen, friends, education didn't do it, did it? And money didn't do it. Uh, friends didn't do it. Lots of sex didn't do it. Pleasures didn't do it. What did it? Jesus did it. Jesus alone brought an end to the attraction of the world and of sin and the law to our life. So when he says, I have been crucified with Christ, I'm no longer alive. I'm dead now. Dead to my past, dead to, my, to, to the world, dead to sin, and dead to the law. Cuando Pablo dice, yo estoy justamente crucificado con Cristo, ya no vivo yo. Él está diciendo, estoy muerto a la ley, estoy muerto al pecado, estoy muerto al mundo, y el mundo no tiene atracción para mí. And what a miracle this is then, to be dead in Christ, to be, uh, to be dead to the, to the, the world and its lust. Estar muerto al mundo y sus deseos. But see, Paul uh, wants us to see something there. We are crucified with Christ. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was nailed to that cross, listen, you were nailed to that cross with him. His death was your death. On that cross, he took your sin, he took your shame, he took your guilt, he took my shame, my guilt, and he did away with it forever. Say amen, somebody. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Now we see the second aspect here of this verse is that it is now Christ who lives in me. So this first thing is that we have died. There's a death that has taken place. The second thing is that there is a new life that has taken place. Ahora vemos el segundo aspecto es que ahora hay una vida nueva que ha ocurrido en nuestra vida. And this new life is literally nothing less than this. Christ dwelling in me. Esta vida nueva es Cristo viviendo dentro de mí. Now, I don't want you to ever overlook the glory of this fact. All right? Nunca quiero que usted olvide uh, o, o tome como algo ligero la gloria de esta verdad. What does it mean for Christ to live inside of us. ¿Qué, es, ¿Qué significa que Cristo viva dentro de nosotros? Literally, it means that God has come to dwell in man. Eso significa que Dios ha venido a vivir dentro de nosotros. Uh, you say, Pastor, are you sure about that? Absolutely sure about that. Because the scripture says this, that, that, uh, we, uh, that, that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Dice la Escritura que es Cristo en nosotros la esperanza de gloria. That's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. In another place, the Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that you are the temple of the Lord? En otra parte dice Pablo, No sabéis que eres el templo del Espíritu de Dios. That means God has come to live on the inside of us. Dios ha venido a vivir dentro de cada uno de nosotros. Amen, somebody. So not only is this a death life, but it's a Christ life. Now there is a, a, a life that has come into mind, and it is the life of Christ himself. Ahora viviendo en nosotros está Cristo Jesús. Now one way to look at this is to look at 
uh, electrical wiring. Una de las formas de ver esto es ver a una, un cordón de electricidad. You see that, that copper wire and you see it covered and coated in, in uh, that coating and in that plaster or plastic and it is, a, it is now a conduit for electricity. It is a conduit for life. And if you ever touch a, a uh, bare wire, you know what I'm talking about tonight, right? You know all about death and life right there. Uh, si usted ha, ha tocado un alambre que no está, a que está, uh, no está amarrado, usted sabe de lo que estoy hablando. Ese alambre es conductor de la vida de la electricidad. All that extension cord is, is a conduit for the life of electricity. And you and I are now like that extension cord. When, when you and I are without Christ, we are wrapped up, rolled up, and useless on a shelf. All right? An extension cord is absolutely useless until you plug it in to a life source. Uh, esa extensión, ese cordón es in, sin uso hasta que alguien lo conecta con la vida, lo conecta con la electricidad. Now you and I have come to God by faith and Christ is flowing through us like electricity. Ahora Cristo está fluyendo dentro de nuestra vida and now we are alive because Christ is in us. Ahora estamos con vida porque Cristo está en nosotros. If that's true for you, say amen. Alright, so our life now is a conduit for the life of God. Ahora nuestra vida es un conductor de la vida de Dios. Everywhere you go, you and I have the potential to be, uh, to be a conduit for God's life to come into, the, into that place and to come into the lives of other people. Donde quiera que usted y yo vayamos, tenemos la habilidad de, de ser un conductor de la vida de Dios en nuestra vida. Now this has to be for me in my ministry has been the most, uh, uh, the greatest, most reoccurring theme in my ministry. Este ha sido el tema personal que más ha ocurrido en mi vida. When I have come in my life to points of thinking, I don't know uh, what I'm going to preach. I don't know why I'm preaching. I am tired of preaching. I don't have anything to say. I am done. I am toast. I have given it all in. When I have come to those moments, say, Pastor, you think like that? Uh, you have no idea where I've been. All right? When I have come to the place of thinking, Lord, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve the ministry. I don't deserve to pastor these beautiful people. Right, God? I just, I don't have it. I don't have what it takes. He brings me back over and over to this thought right here. Isaac, it's not you, it's me in you that is doing the work. No eres tú, Isaac, sino yo el que está haciendo la obra. So when you have those thoughts, you've got to re be reminded of this. It's Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that if you are parenting, it's Christ parenting through you. If you are married, it's Christ loving your spouse through you. If you're in the ministry, it's Christ loving people through you. If you're a preacher, it's Christ preaching through you. Come on, somebody. All you are is the conductor, the, the conduit for the glory of God. God is not picky about, about the extension cords he uses. 
Because if he worried, he wouldn't have chosen me, right? But, but he chooses the extension cord that he wants to use. And when you are plugged into the life of God, there is a life source in you that you can now say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ living in me. Ahora usted y yo podemos decir, no soy yo el que vivo, sino Cristo viviendo en mí. You know, sometimes I give, I, I, I preach a sermon, and then I go home and I think, where did that come from? That didn't sound like my notes. Or maybe you've given advice to people. Somebody's come to you for advice, you gave them advice, and you walked away and you thought, where did I get that? That was good advice. Where'd you get it from? It's Christ in you. It's Christ flowing through you. The Bible in the book of Colossians says it is, it is that power which mightily works within you. Es ese poder que poderosamente funciona dentro de nosotros. Now, the, the scripture also says this, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. También dice la escritura en primera de Juan 4, 4, mayor es el que está en vosotros que el que está en el mundo. There's somebody in me and he's greater than the world. Come on somebody. Hay alguien viviendo dentro de mí y él es mayor que el mundo. I'm not greater than the world. But the God who's with me is greater than the world. When I was a little boy, I started preaching at the age of seven. One of my early sermons was on, on uh, David and Goliath. And my topic was, Jesus is my giant. And, and I still think it's a, good, it's a good illustration tonight. You know, David showed up being a, a, a boy, a young man, up against a giant. That giant was bigger than David. But what the, the, the giant couldn't see was that there was another giant with David. There was somebody with David just like there's somebody with you. So when you confront a giant, when you confront a challenge, you confront a temptation, you've got to know this. I, I might not be greater than this thing, but he that is in me is greater than all of the world put together. El que está viviendo dentro de mí es mayor que todo el mundo. Jesus in you, friends, is greater than all the world together. Cristo dentro de ti es mayor que todo el mundo en contra de ti. In fact, I want you to say that tonight. Jesus in me is greater than all the world against me. Isn't that exciting? You ought to go on and take on some giants this week and bring them down in Jesus' name because greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. Now, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 13. Five. Vaya a 2 Corintios 13, 5. This verse is challenging. Este, este verso es bastante desafiante. Because the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he tells them, he says to them these words. Pablo escribe a la iglesia en Corintios, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. 2 Corintios 13, 5. He says to them, test yourselves. To see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself. So he says it twice. Test yourself. 
Examine yourself. To see what? To see if you are in the faith. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? That's challenging, isn't it? Paul says, give yourself a little pop quiz to see if Christ is in you. All right? Examine your life. It's important for us to examine our life from time to time, isn't it? Es importante que nosotros de vez en cuando examinemos nuestra vida. Pablo dice, examina tu vida. Date un examen a ver si estás en la fe. Porque si te haces este, este examen, vas a hallar a Cristo. Y si no lo hayas, no estás en la fe. Basically, Paul says this, look, examine your life, and if you don't find Christ in your life, then you haven't failed, you failed the test. You need to get Christ in your life. All right, so I'm not going to examine your life tonight. Who's going to examine your life? You are. Just kind of look through your life and say, does Jesus show up in my life? And if he does, Paul says, This is, this is what Paul wants the Corinthians to recognize. He says that it's Christ within you. If you look at your life and you say, there, there is no Jesus in my life, then he says, you need to get Jesus in your life because you're failing the test. But if you look at your life and you can find Jesus in your life, he's saying that's because Jesus is in you. You have God dwelling inside of your life. Now, just, just do a quick little review of your life and answer this question. Has Jesus showed up in your life? Come on, let's do that for real. Has Jesus showed up in your life? Amen. You know, when you think about some things that happen in life and, and you know, somebody tests your patience or they... Uh, they push your buttons, you know, or maybe they offend you or, or somebody does something wrong to you without cause. All of those things are opportunities for Jesus to show up in your life. And sometimes I feel like he just says, Isaac, let me handle this, all right? And, and you and I can point to moments in our life when we have been calm, when we would have been losing it if Jesus wasn't in our life. Say amen, somebody. We can all point to moments when we would have, we would have blown it, except that Jesus was in our life. And so today as we examine our life, we say, wait a minute, God's been showing up in my life because I am a new creature. There is something going on in me that's not of me. It is God's life on the inside of my life. And if Jesus isn't showing up in your life tonight, invite him in. Tell him, Lord, I need you to come and allow me to be a new man, a new woman, to be a changed person. And if Jesus is showing up in your life, friend, be glad about it. Rejoice in it. Praise God for it. One of the things we've got to praise God for every time we come to church is the fact that he showed up in our life. That he is, that he is manifesting his grace and his glory and his mercy Through us. And that we can bear witness with our own life to what he has said. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
Or when you get bad news, did Jesus show up in your life? Yeah. Instead of losing hope, instead of giving up, you said, God's got it. God's in control. When, when somebody offended you, you forgave them. You said, I, I'm over it. Why? Because Jesus was showing up in your life. And it is a, a reality then that as we see God doing these great works in our life, that the more room we give him and the more we yield to him, the more he shows up in our lives, through our lives. And tonight I just want to challenge you with that. Give him more room to work in your life. Give him the room to show up in your life. You know, some people jokingly say, Pastor, I had to get off the cross, right? I had to go take care of this matter by myself. I tell them, don't get off no crosses, all right? You are dead. You, you can't get off that cross. You're dead. You're dead to the old way. There's a new life on the inside of you. And that life bears fruit. That life is evident. That life has has some signs that follow it. And friend, if you don't have those, the sign of God's life in you, it's just as simple as saying, Lord, I repent. I need your life in mine. I dare say there are many people in church who don't have God in them. But they can. It's just as simple as yielding their life to Christ. Saying yes to him. And living a life of yes. To him, living a life of submission to his will. All right, number three, then the third aspect of this life, it is a, a life of uh, a life after death. It is a Christ life, but it is also a faith life. Look at what Paul says there. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live how? How do I live it? By faith. Dice, ahora la vida, la vida que ahora vivo, la vivo, la vivo por fe. The Christian life, guys, has to be lived by faith. La vida cristiana tiene que ser vivida por la fe. Listen, I've told you many times, everything we receive from God, we receive how? By faith. You know that. Todo lo que recibimos de Dios, lo recibimos por fe. Salvation is received by faith. You guys know that. Because if you could save yourself, you'd get the glory for yourself. But salvation is by faith so that nobody can boast in God's presence. Nobody will be in heaven saying, I saved myself. Everyone in heaven will have to say, I was saved by the grace of God and my simple faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Everything we receive from God, we receive from, by faith. If you receive a financial provision, how are you going to receive it? By faith. If you receive healing for your body, how do you receive it? By faith. If you receive the salvation of your loved ones, how do you receive it? By faith. Every single thing that you and I receive is by faith. The Christian life is a faith life. Paul says, the life I now live, I live by faith. Listen. You're going to see Christ most in your life when you're walking by faith. Usted va a ver a Jesús más en su vida mientras usted camina por fe. 
When you wake up in the morning, determine that you're going to please God through your works and your good looks. It's going to be a bad day. All right? Because you already set out saying, Jesus, I don't need your help today. I got this. How many of you ever got in trouble with I got this? There's only trouble. Every day we wake up thinking, I got this. I know how this works. I know how far I can go. That, that, that decision to say, God, I don't need your help today. I'm going to do this. I know how. Then already you've set yourself up for failure. When you wake up in the morning saying, Lord, there's going to be stuff this day that I don't know about. I can't handle. It's over my head. It's going to overwhelm me. So I'm trusting you to guide me, to lead me, to shepherd me moment by moment to be my God, to be my guide, to be my guard, to be everything I need you to be in my life. And you yield in full dependence to him. Now you have allowed the Spirit of God to take your life into overdrive. You're now going to be able to walk in that whole day in victory because your faith has already been engaged toward God. And, and if you want to see success in your Christian life, it only comes by faith. When you and I walk in a daily dependence upon God, saying, Lord, I, I don't trust in my job uh, for my provision. I trust in you. You're the one that gave me the job, and you're the one that gave me the energy to get up and go to work, and you're the one that gave me the brain power to get that promotion. It's all coming from you. And even at moments when you think, when you think you can't, and you say, Lord, I can't do this. I cannot go into that meeting right now because I don't have the answers, but I'm going to trust you to do something in my life while I'm in there. Give me the right words, the right, the right information, the right uh, perspective. And how many of you have seen God show up in places like that? It's not in church, but you've seen him show up in a business meeting. You've seen him show up in the principal's office. You've seen him show up with your professor because you just said, Lord, I don't have this. If you don't get it, it ain't going to be God. It's got it's to be you. You've got to do this in my life. You've got to do this in my life. Now. I'm gonna I'm gonna share this story with you. It's a little bit. It's gonna it's gonna be uncomfortable, but for some of you, but it's it's a fact, all right. And it, this testimony helps to illustrate this point. There was a, a homosexual a man who was a homosexual who was married to a woman, but his old life contradicted his new life, all right. And he had a lot of trouble fulfilling his life, his commitment as a heterosexual man to his wife because of his old life. And he shares in this uh, testimony that one day he decided to just go and be heterosexual by faith. His nature, his old man told him he was something else, but he decided, I'm going to go live what God's word says I am by faith, and his life got turned around. And his marriage got saved. I told you I was going to make you uncomfortable, all right? But that's okay because that's reality. There are some things in life where you can't do it yourself. You're going to have to walk by faith and simply say, God, if that's what your word says, I'm going to do your word. I'm going to do what your word says. 
He did it on the, on the issue of uh, sexual orientation. But all of us do it every month when we bring our tithe to God, don't we? We say, God, I trust what you said, that if I give you the first 10% of my income, that you would provide for the rest. And every one of those little steps, whether it be the tithe or something as big as what I just mentioned to you, there is a life, there is a part of our Christian experience that is only going to be enjoyed when we walk by faith. When we say, God, I don't get it, it's not within me, it's not within my power, but I'm going to love by faith, I'm going to forgive by faith, I'm going to give by faith, I'm going I'm to get that job by faith, I'm going to do this work by faith, and God shows up in your life, doesn't he? This is a faith life. The life I now live, I live by faith. I live by a simple believing God. That's what we talked about on Sunday. Paul said, I believe God. What does the scripture say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Don't say difficult. It says it's impossible. Sin fe es imposible agradar a Dios. No dice que es difícil. Es imposible. Faith pleases God. La fe trae placer a Dios. You want victory in your life, you're going to have to live by faith. The problem is many times we live by feelings. Feelings and faith are two totally different things. Jesus never said that if you feel, you'll be saved. He said if you believe. Are you with me? How many of you have ever made a feelings decision? Did you get into trouble? Yeah. You know, feelings are a terrible driver. They're an okay passenger, but they're a terrible driver. Muchos seguían por sus sentimientos. And, you know, the, the young people in the Bible, they say to me all the time, Pastor, I'm not feeling it. Well, I don't care if you're feeling it or not. It's due when it's due. Right? That paper is due on Friday whether you feel it or not. But if we, many times, we want to guide our life by feelings. You can't live your life by feelings because feelings come and feelings go. Some days we don't feel saved, but guess what? You're saved. Someday you don't feel married, but you're married. Someday you don't feel like being a parent, but you're a parent. Someday you don't feel like being at work, but you're at work. Come on, somebody. Life is not about feelings. You cannot live your life by feeling. You have to live your life by faith. What has God said? Faith in God's word. Faith in that unchanging bedrock of God's word. It is the, the, the foundation of our life. And I guarantee you this. If you will honor God's word by faith, your feelings will catch up with you. Si usted honra a Dios por fe, sus sentimientos van a llegar tarde que temprano. Pero si usted se, si se guía por lo que siente, usted va a perder oportunidades con Dios. You're going to miss opportunities with God if you let your life be led by your feelings and your emotions. So it's 
faith in God. I love what we sang tonight. Uh, the, the fourth or fifth verse of Amazing Grace. John Newton said, your, um, your word my hope secures. God's word has secured our future. Some days we don't feel it, but God's word isn't, isn't impacted. It doesn't change by how you feel. And so Paul said, the life I live, I live by faith, not by feelings. Because if we lived our Christian life by feelings, we would we'd be heathens Monday through Saturday. And probably not make it back to church next Sunday. That's why we have to live by faith. Our constant and unwavering dependence upon God. And finally, fourth aspect of this life is that it is a love life. Right? I, I wanted to title this sermon, How's Your Love Life? But I decided not to do that. All right, make you less un uncomfortable than you already are. But he says this, there's a love life involved here. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who did what? Who loved me. You see that? La vida que ahora vivo, la vivo por fe en Cristo Jesús. El que me amó. Hay algo aquí que me da a entender que ahora yo vivo una vida, una vida de amor con Dios. There's a life I live and it is a love life with God. You and I are going to enjoy our Christian life as we understand it as a love relationship. It's not a work relationship. It's not a a uh, boss and servant or a boss and employee relationship. It is a relationship of love between God and us. And you and I tonight have this assurance that it is a life that we have in a God who loves us. I don't know how often you think about this. I hope you think about it every day. And I know God wants you to think about it every day, that God loves you. God loves you. And the Bible said that faith works through love. I already explained to you how important faith is. But Galatians tells us that faith works through love. That's Galatians 5, 6. The one thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. When you and I understand that God loves us, our faith life is increased. It's very hard to ask God for big things when, he, when you think he's mad at you and that he hates you and that he doesn't want to see you. Why would anyone go and ask a, a father for a favor if they don't feel loved? Love is what draws us to God. The scripture says it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It leads men to repentance. When you and I come to know the awesomeness of God's love, what, what gave us Christ and the cross was the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish. This love relationship, friends, is not just for the new believer who has just come to Christ and and needs to be made convinced of the truth of the gospel. But it is for the mature saint walking in their daily life. 
to understand as well, I am loved by God. That is the, the assurance that every one of us has. If you're in Christ, you need to uh, walk in that assurance every single day. I am loved by God. And I love God. I, it's easy to love Him. We talked about last week about loving God and clinging to Him. Paul is here letting us know there is a love relationship that we have in this new life. The life I now live is a love relationship. The life I used to live, the life we lived outside of Christ had no knowledge of the love of God. You didn't even know who God was, let alone that He loved you. But the life you now live is, is surrounded by this knowledge of His love. That that giving love that brought a demonstration of that love through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture says in 1 John 4.18, Therefore, there is no fear in love. When you understand God's love, you no longer fear God's judgment. You realize Christ paid the price of sin at the cross. And I can approach God with an uh, open heart, knowing that He's going to receive me. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. The Bible says also in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love. The life I now live is a love life. So when people ask you, why do you go to church all the time? Because I'm in love with God. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with His Word. I, I love His presence. Why do you go to Bible study? Why do, you, why do you seek God's face? Because I love Him. And I love Him because He loved me. He made His love known to me. And you and I tonight have this great confidence that the life we now live is a faith life and it's a love life. It's a relationship with the man who died for us, who lives on the inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that life has made us dead to the past. You see, if you used to feel rejected, now in Christ, you're dead to rejection. Because you have the love of God. You used to think, if that person walks out of my life, I'm done. I'm dead. But here's the thing. When you've got God, God's love in your life, they can walk out and you say, bye-bye. Because I have all my acceptance in God. Whoever wants to reject me can reject me because as long as God has accepted me, the Bible says, I am accepted in the beloved. And so this love life produces faith. This faith yields to God's power. This power is the power of Christ working on the inside of me. God says, I set before you this day life 
and death. Choose life. That you may live. That your children may live. Choose life so that your family can live. Choose life so that your community can live. Choose life because as you, as you live the life that God has designed for you, with God's power in your life, you'll be a beacon of hope and of light to other people.